the only note that I wanted to mention in last week's episode, Be My Cat, a film for Anne, is that um, podcast listener, friend of the pod slash fan, Phil, um, was watching it and texted me, no lie, when Adrian first came on the screen, I just automatically assumed that's what Andre looks like. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, boy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Movie Blues Podcast. I am Dan Lyons. Dan ended. And uh, today we are doing a movie that we have talked about now probably since the beginning of the podcast, would you say, Dan? In the beginning. Now, this is a movie, everybody, that I want you to know that Dan Enden chose. Because this season, I pick one. Dan picks one. Dan said no one would listen to the last episode. Dan picks Outland Tales. Because <laughs> that's a real family-friendly movie that everyone's seen. I posted in the rentals and I was like, what y'all think about Southland Tales, though? And just Crickets. A, a fucking tumbleweed blew across the internet. Um, but I think people will listen to this because I had seen how Southland Tales before when I was a, a youthster. And I know Dan probably had seen it many times because this is a movie that he has mentioned to me probably 20 or 30 times <laughs> and been like, yo, it's no Southland Tales, though. And then sometimes I don't quite think that's uh -huh, nope, nope. We're not walking back right now. I'll, <laughs> I will go first. Okay. <laughs> the goalposts are staying where they are. OK. Dan would be like, you like Donnie Darko? Donnie Darko is disappointed. You got to check out Southland Tales. That's the real genius. That's the real straight up G for real. And I'd be like, Dan, you always say this. I will do it for the podcast. This kind of feels like Speed Racer. Where it's like, oh, this is so good. Your good's not as good. And I'm like, okay, I'll do it for the pod. And then you send it to me in the mail. And the thing <laughs> is... <laughs> Someone recently said to me, they were like, you, I don't even know if this was about Southland Tales. They're like, you, you think bad things. And I was like, fuck out of here. And I was like, actually, I don't think bad things. Sometimes I'm so, so on a movie. And then Dan makes it seem like it's so good so many times to me that then I get mad at that movie. And then I want to hurt that movie. And then the more I see it, I want to hurt it. And that was like Speed Racer. Because you could tell that I was like, didn't want to talk about Speed Racer in the early days of the pod. And you kept prodding me with it, like, endlessly. And then I was like, final fucking watch it! And I watched it, and I hated it. Um, this movie, 
uh, I would say I used to like more than I liked Speed Racer. When I was younger, I was a huge Donnie Darko fan, like any fucking person would be my age and in my situation being Jewish, <laughs> privileged and sad for some reason. <laughs> um, and um, so I, again, this is going to sound a lot like Speed Racer, ran, did not walk, ran to the multiplex to see this movie. Like opening day, this is going to be the best movie I've ever seen. And I walked out of the theater and was like, don't know what I saw there. Don't know if I didn't like it. Uh, it wasn't good by any means, but but there were things I liked about it. Uh, I, interesting, interesting. We'll see where the director goes from here. Um. <laughs> All right, I'm jumping in here. Your characterization of my positioning of Southland Tales is such a farce. No, it is not. Yes, it is. We have the receipts. Go back through any podcast. There's no time in which my vibe was, oh, my God, Southland Tales no, is fucking I'll, I'll admit, brilliant. Yeah, no, no, no. That's I'll admit that. But you have said that it is better than Donnie Darko on multiple occasions, and you have said that you enjoy it and that, quote, Kevin Smith is brilliant in it multiple times. You have portrayed a positive. I, I did. I'll admit I went too far there. I'm sorry. I went too far. My there. vibe has always been that Southland Tales is fucking insane and unfairly maligned to the degree that it is. OK. And that. I believe my quote last time it came up on this podcast was that there is a brilliant movie within Southland Tales. Okay. And, okay. As far as it being in relation to Donnie Darko, I don't like Donnie Darko. I don't think it's a good movie. Got it. So, what you're saying is you'll take no comparisons of the like. Uh... Excuse no. yourself from whatever you feel no, like we, you need to up we, front. We I can mean. take do comparisons to whatever. I'm just saying that was a, that was a very hyperbolic depiction. No this part is, of my reasoning for wanting... Me. No reason I wanted to do Southland Tales for the mm, podcast. Trying to make this episode interesting. Was, <laughs> it was, was it the expectation or goal for you to come out being like Southland Tales is God tier? <laughs> All right. I mean, fine. But this is your fault. Oh, yeah. yeah. Let's just get that yeah, straight. Yeah, it's for sure my fault. Beyond the fact that it's the movie that you picked. What I've for always you said is the that movie. it's an incredibly potable movie. And what I've always said to you about this season is be cool, dude. <laughs> Be fucking cool is all I'm asking. And this movie is not you being cool because this movie is like, and I will have the receipts, the evidences, the notations, and the hilarious jokes to prove that this movie is like the Ishtar of the Dan End inverse. <laughs> this movie has, and when I say every Dan End inverse facet in spades, <laughs> This is an endless spray of cards of the Dan Endenverse. This movie is like if you ran all of the Dan Endenverse phrases, terminologies, and outlooks yeah. into a like AI machine. It is the most 2004 shit in history. And you were like, AI machine, write a script with the information I've input. And the AI machine is like, how long would you like your script? And you're like 400 pages. <laughs> and it's like, are you sure it needs to be that long? You could probably achieve most of this in much less time. And you're like, I want it to be as long and as excessive as it could be, as this idea could ever be. And only with my tropes that I'm feeding you, only with <laughs> the ideas neo-Marxist and beyond that I am forcing upon you. <laughs> and the AI machine would produce this movie. And as you watch this movie, 
it feels like it's written by a robot because there are scenes where you're like, oh, this was supposed to be funny. I got it. And then there are scenes where you're like, oh, th this scene like is 10 minutes long, but it doesn't have a point. Like this is a scene. There are actors in it. There's ideas happening. They don't mean anything or lead to anything. It's just kind of like a shambling AI corpse of a movie. I don't agree with that. I think every scene in the movie is justifiable with a three thread. Sorry, I had a large fly in my mouth that I needed to spit out. I don't have any liquid. Dan's drinking a Seagram's Escape right now. Um, <laughs> but I don't have anything. I'm laying off the booze until my next event. Um, I'll say this. <laughs> I, I didn't like... You're going to hear a lot of anger from me. Great. But... That's the podcast. I mean, yeah. but... There are things that I liked in it that I'm sure we'll get into. It's This isn't a zero situation. This isn't like me telling everyone on Earth not to watch Southland Tales. It isn't me taking the copy of the Southland Tales DVD you gave me and putting it under the back wheel of your car as soon as you parked. Um, this is me saying, this is an interesting movie. It exists. And let's talk about it. <laughs> And also, its differences from the theatrical cut are profound. Oh, I can't wait to hear that. <laughs> because I watched this movie after having seen Southland Tales, not in over a decade, but probably ten times earlier, much earlier had watched it. Didn't see a single difference. There was nothing that I remember being different at all in it. I mean, maybe I've, I've smoked myself retarded at this point, but... Um, uh, I, uh, which I can say. It's just framed as a different movie. Like, it, it's, it's, its structure is entirely different, and a lot of the backstory we're given is absent from the theatrical cut, and no part of me is going to sit here and say that this movie needed to be this long. Mm -hmm. What this movie needed to be, as Richard Kelly's been fallaciously trying to do forever, is be multiple movies. He made an incredibly misguided choice in starting it with chapter four like he's fucking george lucas oh i'm sorry i could say retarded because because i've been deemed with mental health <laughs> <laughs> um sorry there sorry, are adrian. sorry adrian <laughs> there are literally uh countless flaws in this movie but i find it incredibly fucking interesting as a thing that exists and tell me this movie is not potable <laughs> it's it's potable because this is what you do. It's only potable because these are the things that you like. If there were two me's, it wouldn't be potable. Okay. That's why this season is, you know, one for you, one for me. It's just, I'm really regretting that. It's what's going to happen. Hey, fucking my, what was it? I word? mean, Be My Cat. Be My Cat could have gone, gone in wrong, that direction. But, but, hear me out. I picked Be My Cat after having watched it and being being like oh like i don't think he can deny the power of this movie and i really put myself out on a limb doing that and that could have blown up in my face 100 percent agree with you there but i knew that there was something special going right. on there um and that was an hour and 25 minutes long okay but dude yeah so, for so sure. here's what you did this, no, here's what you did you picked <laughs> the craziest and inverse movie ever <laughs> ever off the bat that movie is double to triple length, whatever we usually would want to watch or, or, or ask to do. 
And it did take me four sessions <laughs> to watch Southland Tales. Four. One was a double session where I did 45 minutes what? of Southland Tales, met with my therapist <laughs> digitally, and then went back to another screen where I then watched 45 more minutes of Southland Tales. And if you were to watch that, then the clip of me and my therapist over Skype, <laughs> then 45 more minutes of Southland Tales, you would not know that that wasn't part of the movie. That's how terrible this movie is. But somewhere in its garbage, I, I wrote in my notes, this movie is toxic sludge. <laughs> that is how I felt about this movie. Now, I can say that while also saying it's unique it's nothing like anything that has ever been made, for better or worse. It's just, when you say ego fail, this, this movie is one of the biggest L's <laughs> I have ever seen. And his film after that, The Box, yeah. which I think is I better like, than I, this by a tremendous margin, agreed. is still not great. Agreed. But had that movie come before where Southland Tales is, I would argue he would still have a fantastic career. But the man destroyed himself with this movie. And in hearing what he had to say for himself, I would put it that way on purpose, on this DVD and its bonus features, he explained what this movie really was. And what this movie really was is there's there's a heist in the middle of this movie and some mistaken identity, funny back and forth. There's a, one of the 400 plots of this movie. I would argue maybe it's the central plot is kind of a heist vibe. And this movie was originally like imagine kind of knives out, but made by Richard Kelly, yeah. where it was like a noir, somewhat unhinged story of like a heist with an actor and blah, blah, blah. He spent years writing, as he put it, plots on top of that. And and then 9-11 happened. And 9-11 is huge in this movie. It's not ever mentioned, yeah. but it is the driving force of every um, satirical element from end to end of this behemoth movie is, is some sort of reaction to 9-11. Yeah, oh yeah. And then within that, there's a Philip K. Dick-esque sci-fi story which, as you would guess, is my favorite element of the movie, yeah. which was written years later on top of it, on top of it, on top of it, adding political satire and then writing a new draft with a little bit of time travel, then writing a new draft with, oh, now that I've cast Sean William Scott, he said, I came up with the idea to make him twins. And then I came up with the idea that they were the same person. And I called Sean William Scott, and I was like you are twins, but you are the same person. And he was like, okay. He's like, I've been prepping for this role my whole life. And and so what you have is, if you've ever seen a YouTube video where, uh, or like a TikTok for the kids, where someone starts making a sandwich, right? And it's got cheese, it's got turkey, it's got lettuce, it's got mayo. But then it, and then the Cheetos happen. And then there's like bologna. And then there's like, and, 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 and then it goes on to the <laughs> point where the sandwich has become a tower. And every element of that tower is in its own way somewhat delicious. <laughs> but as a single food item, it is egregious and should be illegal. 
<laughs> and then at the end of that sandwich, right? You've got like every meat, mortadelle, capricol, fucking every single Italian meat. Gabagool. Ever. Gabagool. On the last piece of bread, you put a little peanut butter <laughs> and then you ruin it. Not only is it inedible, but it's wrongheaded. Like it's like, a. It, then you realize, oh, this is like not only a tower of food, but like it's a tower of food of bad ideas that like none of them are really finished, but we're going to put them all in. And it's just the layering. And even Richard Kelly is saying in this interview, I just kept layering it on and layering it on. It's like listening to a guy who works at a, like a miracle whip factory. <laughs> like, what do you do all day? He's like, I take the, I take the spreader. I la layer it on and layer it on and layer it on. I mean, like it's, it's just, uh, um, yeah. When you said like, there's a good movie inside of this movie, I would say, no, there's not. You can never edit a good movie out of this movie in a thousand years. The dialogue and the comedic choices are tremendously awful in this movie. I think this movie's hilarious. I know you do. I could have guessed that from 10 years ago. <laughs> um, Dude, there's a character named Deep Throat 2. Yeah, okay, there's okay. There's good ideas, right? Let's say you, uh, you hire a, a team of Richard Kelly monkeys to type on typewriters all day. Yeah, right. And you have every idea from Donnie Darko's in this movie, by the way. Oh, yeah, 100%. Which is crazy. So <laughs> crazy. And there's outward Donnie Darko references yeah, yeah. in the film. Yeah. Sean William Scott with the one eye at the end. It's too close to Darko. It's just so much... And yet there's nothing in there for me. Justin Timberlake narrating <laughs> this movie in Bible verses, Dan, is the worst idea of hundred. I haven't even looked at my notes yet. There are hundreds of bad ideas in this movie that are like, what? who would ever have done it this way and why? I don't well, know. Uh, Justin Timberlake's reading verses from the book of Revelations, uh, the story of which this movie. I don't listen to hip hop. <laughs> the story of which uh, this movie... Oh, uh, yeah. It's also a Bible parable, y'all. Parodies pretty much entirely. Yeah, yeah, it's entirely a Bible parable. Yeah. Great. I Love those. Dude, this movie ends with a cop being the Messiah. This movie was made for me. <laughs> Dan... <laughs> <sighs> I, I, sh I sometimes when I watch Sherry O'Terry, Amy Poehler, this cast is like a who's who of Dan's childhood television that was put on while his parents argued. Uh, <laughs> look, man. All right, this is what harkens back to last week's episode. Uh, yeah. Anytime someone goes out on a really fucking crazy limb, no, this is not that. This is don't do that. With this, this is a crazy limb to this go is, out on. Yeah, but like this is pure insanity. Every part of it though is toxic. It's insane. But dude, within it there is very good. Well, like it's all right. So it kind of goes for like an idiocracy vibe where it's trying to be satirical, but it's way too on the nose. It's not. But it's like incredibly funny. prophetic. It is a movie with hundreds of jokes, and it is not funny. They're funny moments. They're funny moments. I'll give you that. Actually, one scene of it, I didn't even know that I was quoting it, like, for years. <laughs> and didn't know that it was from this movie. But, like, the argument between Amy Poehler when she's <laughs> yeah, in, the, yeah, yeah. in the wedding dress. I like to suck dick! Oh! <laughs> yeah, I fucked him! Oh! 
fucked him real good! Oh, you liked it? I fucking loved it! Oh, you bitch! That fucking exchange is fire. Dude, that scene is so funny. There's a couple funny scenes because, look, like, think of it, think of it from this way, right? Richard Kelly went from Donnie Darko, which has no comedians in it. Barely any comedic actors are in it. Patrick Swayze is playing the funniest role in that movie. Right. Um, to literally, not even figuratively, literally hire, hiring 85% of the comedians alive. Yeah, the entire UCB theater is in this movie. Janine Garofalo <laughs> is yeah. in it, which I had totally forgotten she was yeah. in it. Um, Will Sasso is in it. Yeah. Not even playing a comedic character. Nope. Sherry O'Terry. Sherry O'Terry. How Molly Shannon was not available for this movie but is dude, a godsend. That, that was his whole thing with this movie about the casting was his entire goal with every single uh, character was he wanted to cast an otherwise famous uh, character in a, that he felt gets typecast and cast them in a role that's nothing like anything they do. Well, it did not work. <laughs> it ended up making it so that it seemed like a movie that wanted to be funny and almost never was other than a couple gags. You know what? That's unfair. I would say there's a lot of funny shit going on. Like the idea that Sarah Michelle Gellar is this like next level porn star, her whole situation. It's funny, yeah. but it's not funny in its finer details. Like these are funny ideas with funny actors, but like, like I said before, it felt like it was written by AI where it's like, but this still wasn't a comedic scene. Like, we have three to four comedic actors on screen, and none of them are being funny, and then the only comedic performance we give to anyone is given to The Rock. Yeah. You know what I would... That's a big dick swing. I'll give it to you, but it's insane. You know what I kept thinking while I was watching this was what this movie is and what it's trying to be? Is this movie is Magnolia if Magnolia was made oh by God. a really, really bad filmmaker? Yeah. I have a lot of comparisons. Of, you can see in my notes my brain trying to take hold of comparisons a lot. I, I need to make clear. I think Richard Kelly is a bad filmmaker. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, I think. <laughs> Like I've made clear, I think Donnie Darko. Yeah, you is don't a like Donnie Darko, movie. so like this the is box like... is fine because it's a Twilight Zone episode that I like. Yeah. You can't really fuck that up, but it's still not good. This movie is clearly made, dude. The the shots, the cinematography in this movie is abhorrent. Like the, the way special effects too are fucking fine. Whatever. Like this terrible. movie did not get the money. Like you couldn't make a movie like this with the amount of money that they did. Whatever. The the shots are like teen soap status like they are bad it's like the dude has no idea how to place a camera it's, yeah. it's a bad movie his coverage was not good in this yeah, one i i need to make clear i think this is a bad movie right but i think there is a lot of genius within the movie that he needed someone else to make this movie right I mean, we, the reality is, is this movie is from the wrong time. Like, this movie needed to exist in a multimedia format with graphic novel tie-ins, and every studio didn't want to fucking touch it because they thought that was insane. By the time they finally got the thing made, it was two months later, Iron Man came out, and now every movie under the sun has graphic novel tie-ins. Like, what this movie should have been... So this movie came out in what year? 2005. Okay, because Iron Man came out in 2008. Seven, I believe. 
Okay. If Iron Man came out in 08, then this came out in 06. This was a long time before then. Okay, either way, the, it was a two-year difference. No, no, no. This movie came out, like, months before Iron Man came out. That just can't be true. Okay. Let's look it up. I'm on airplane mode. I'll go off airplane mode just one time. Okay. In the meantime... Because I don't want to be misrepresenting either the MCU's finest effort... <laughs> Or this film. Like, what this movie should have been is, like, an eight-episode HBO, like, single-season series. Okay, Southland Tales is 2006. Okay. Iron Man is 2008. Okay, two years, not two buds. You got the the number two correct. Yeah, yeah, good. And that is more successful than most things from this movie. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) You, Ah, you pre-thank me, bitch. Yeah, the, uh... The fact is, is, like, this movie has very grandiose visions and, like, wants to achieve something. That's, yeah, without a doubt. That movies rarely achieve and probably, as far as what this wanted to achieve, haven't really. And it's, it's not good, the final result. But, like, also this can cut was cut down from fucking probably an original like six hour long cut i want to see that cut too i want to like i want (laughs) to who like oh my god i don't know like i don't know who saw the dailies to this movie i don't know they were probably shitting brick who read the script ultimately to this movie i don't understand how the rock but this is what happens when you get famous to this movie donnie darko where the studio is like we don't need to understand the script this guy is an auteur this is how you end up with yes. Midsommar. But Donnie Darko is fucking brilliant. Whereas this movie is absolutely mental. This movie just needed to pick a lane a little bit more. Sure. It has really funny ideas that and really funny actors. <laughs> it, like, I, In my head, this movie is a black comedy, but it could have been more of a black comedy. It should have been. I'll put it this way. There is a good movie inside Southland Tales. But you would have to reshoot that entire movie. Yeah, I mean, some of these performances are quite bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. Dude. It's crazy oh, how, this, like... movie, this movie almost completely broke me. Almost. <laughs> yeah. Not fully, but, like, all what was as close as I get. I was right under a breakdown about it, watching it. Because, like, I went in... Watching it at different Dude, I went in really excited. Did you really even excited. follow the plot threads? Oh, yeah. Okay. I was thinking about them very closely. Okay. And was like... Because I... Look, I, and, and, and you should know this about any picks for this season. I, I'm going to try to give everything a fair shake. I didn't walk in wanting to hate this. When you sent me the DVD, I was thrilled about having it. Yeah. And I like having it as a piece of history. Yeah. For sure. Because... As a humongous stan of Donnie Darko in many years ago, this movie was a big deal to me. And when I saw it, I was either more generous than I was willing to be this time because I was such a stan. Yeah. And I can admit that. But, like, I think your standing for this originally, and we will get back to the most important part of today's therapy session, which is the Dan Enden verse. Okay, but I, I want to... <laughs> you don't want to have to def- defend a fictional realm right now? <laughs> no, I just... I want to make clear that the situation under which we went through this together uh-huh. is that I haven't seen this movie since high school. Okay. And in my head, I had a vision of this movie. I couldn't imagine that it was going to be the same result watching it this time. 
but I had realized that I didn't remember anything about this movie besides the beginning and the incredibly stupid ending. Uh-huh. And I, I kept seeing all these memes with shots from it, and I was just like, I want... Where are those memes happening? Reddit. Oof. I, uh, I, I, <laughs> dark. I was essentially coming into this movie as dark as I could be for something that I've seen before. Uh-huh. And I wanted us to both watch it together and come in and see what would happen. There was a chance both of us hated it. Right. There was my opinion of it is much different than my original opinion of it was as a kid when I saw it. But I sent it to you. I wasn't trying to torture you. I'm no, never gonna, I know. I'm I never know. gonna pick a movie this long again. I, I was I, I thought it would be a good experience for the podcast. It to was finally fucking get this under our belts. No, no, it was. And I appreciate all that and think that this movie definitely belongs on the podcast. Like knew that this episode was yeah. gonna be fire. Yeah, I don't want the implication of that. I sent you a copy of it. No, to mean I that know. I love it. Well, this is this is the careful game that we're playing this season. It's it's like the Cold War, where like shots fired in terms of movie choices. Like <laughs> like, just think about it the other way around. You know what I mean? Like if I had sent you like <laughs> a Marvel movie, for example, but that Marvel movie was like three full hours long, when everyone knows that. Walt Disney demands that they be exactly two hours on the nose. But there's a difference between something you've seen and know about. And this like, was a and tough you sent to me watch, though, versus knowing that I'm going to hate it. Whereas this like you heard I said the words toxic sludge yeah, because I, just, I was in, I was in it. I would turn it on. I would get home from work and be like, this is going to be the time where I watch a chunk of this movie. And I'm like, I get it. It's funny. It's working for me. It's just like. Every time something good would happen in this movie, something would make me so, so upset. Yeah. I mean, it does constantly undermine its own goodwill, like, immediately after. And why the dialogue of the main... This is something that bothered me above all the other good ideas happening, like, whatever. The... (coughs) The dialogue between, like, the main characters was so crude all of a sudden yeah. in this movie. Yeah, yeah. It goes incredibly crude. It goes from everybody talking very normally in its first third and having semi-serious conversations, albeit kind of surreal. Yeah. To like hard N-words. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to kill myself if you don't let me suck your dick. If you don't let me suck your dick, I'm going to kill myself. Like, wait, wait, pause. I got to piss. <laughs> suck your dick I'm gonna kill myself okay so Dan is in the bathroom peeing right now and just want to apologize to Kat for having to watch this movie um, I'm in the same hell that you probably were in uh, I'm gonna ask Dan about it now and see uh, truly just how sad this movie made her probably made her want to die made me want to die so like if if you need support cat you reach out uh you can get my phone number from dan um other than that i i don't want him to think that i hated this movie a lot of hyperbole but really enjoying this episode and uh, his performance in general so i'm gonna kind of let it all slide like water under the bridge but this movie sucked uh, and was like kind of like Jupiter ascending when I was watching it. it really was so difficult to watch. The things I do for you people.
Oh, hey, welcome back. Were you doing the fucking thing? What thing? The thing that I do. You were doing the thing. Maybe. Here's something I want to posit to you about you know this what? movie. We're a real podcast. Okay. We don't cut during pee breaks. You know what I mean? We do a bit while we're pissing. That's art. Oh, I wanted to ask you, what did Kat think about this movie? Um, so uh, I was I was pretty concerned <laughs> starting this one with her because it was like our Friday night movie. You oh know? no! And um, thank God, and you're welcome, Rachel, that I did not make you watch this movie. I'm me. always taking the temperature throughout, so like. 20 minutes in, I was like, so what's going on? You sticking it's a with hard, it? It's a hard 20. That first 20 is a hard 20. I was like, listen, this is going to be three hours long. I got snacks if you want them. Oh. What's the deal? And she was like, honestly, like, I was expecting this to be bullshit, but like, I'm pretty on board from this beginning. And what did she think two hours later? Um, well, she was asleep at the end of it. <laughs> she made it. Literally, she fell asleep right after the, um, let me suck your dick or I'll kill myself scene. And then she fell asleep right after that. But uh, she had nothing negative to say about it. Mm-hmm. Have you followed up? Uh, no. I think I think you should follow up. I mean, I, I would assume, like, her opinion will probably be, I have sat through so many fucking movies that I've hated so much for this podcast. Like... <laughs> She she was she was enjoying herself watching Sarah Michelle Gellar be an insane character like okay like here's the thing that I want to posit to you <clears throat> note to self delete that bathroom segment all right this uh this movie <laughs> came out or was started being made in a slightly post uh, Iraqi invasion time yeah we called it the Dan ending golden hour <laughs> yeah um where what about, near about two thousand four it was uh not common and pretty fucking shat upon to uh you know make a film that's so heavily critical of the war mm-hmm. that was going on at that time now mm-hmm. what i will also say about richard kelly is that this is a person who i clearly agree with a lot of his surface level views of what was going on at that time mm-hmm. they are all very great political sat- satire ideas that are just executed incredibly immaturely and poorly mm-hmm. But, like, this is right after Janine Garofalo, the original canceling, got fucking canceled for saying that we shouldn't invade Iraq. And then he puts her in the movie. Like, this is a, this is a person with the correct intentions who just is bad at making movies. <laughs> I don't like the plural part of that. Because <laughs> I like the box, and I think Donnie Darko's better than the box. So that's just, we're working on different... Working on different timelines here. I think Donnie Darko is a well-made yet, but incredibly pretentious and fart-sniffing fucking jerk-off session. Yeah, and and this movie is about is, The Rock having a fictional script where right? a thermonuclear well. baby fart kicks off the apocalypse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you want to talk about farts. Yeah, Th- this movie is an immature fucking... Disaster. It's incredibly immature. It, I I did not remember that aspect of it. It's, it's like dated. It, it's like you know in Get Him to the Greek how like uh, how like uh, his uh, the pop star has all these like super sexual music video songs. Like this is that, but it's Sarah Michelle Gellar, and like it's it's like trying to do it to be a commentary on reality show culture where like they just have a reality show where they sit around and talk about sucking dick all day. Like. It's, it's like trying to be Idiocracy. It's trying to be Galaxy, Galaxy Quest at times. It's just trying to be every movie made by a good filmmaker. Yeah. Written I mean, by like what seems like a child. 
It spends most of its time, like, just damning Republicans as evil fascist overlords as commentary on the evil combination of cops and military. The but it's Rock all, it's is... All, it also has the Democratic Party turning into a neo-Marxist uh, fucking uh, terrorist cell full of people who don't know anything about Karl Marx, which is an underlying theme, and, like, are just a bunch of, like, egregiously, like, over-the-top feminist cartoon characters. Yeah, it attempts to skewer both sides. Just don't feel like it does a good job on either. Unless you're, like, looking around the set dressing of a room. There's, like, good commentary. But, like, in actual execution, it's like a bunch of SNL skits strung together with Justin Timberlake narrating the thoughts of what's inside Sean William Scott's head, which is the most 2000 thing I could ever even imagine. Just like if that whole fucking plot line was removed from this movie entirely, I think this movie would be fine. Which one? Like anything involving Sean William Scott and Justin Timberlake, because really Mm. their plot threads are like connected to each other, but not really necessary for anything else. Yeah, I mean, they're like a dyad in a movie of like 40 dyads. But if you take that out, there is, I would argue, a very coherent plot to the movie. I think there's all sorts of other problems, though. (laughs) You take that out and it's still poorly shot, has terrible special effects. The Rock is fucking garbage in this movie. The, The effects are way, 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 way better in the theatrical version. Really? Yeah. What in specific? The blimp blowing up or something? Yeah, everything. Anything that involved special effects Why is it, looks better. It's better. Because they rushed the cut to can when the effects weren't done. Mm. So there's better effects in the main cut, and I believe there's 16 more shots of special effects. All right, now I got to watch the main cut. What are the time differences? Um, I think that one's only like a clean two hours. I got to watch that movie. Maybe that's the one I liked. It's for sure the one you like. This is the first time this one's been released. So I was going into this blind, man. I mean, how different is it? I don't know, because I haven't seen the original one in a long time. But like, it, I really don't think it is. I think there's probably well, there's not no, a lot. It's of not set up in fucking chapters. There's not fucking... Chapters were negligible. There's not... And didn't make any sense, so it didn't matter. Um, and there, my understanding is that their entire plot threads cut out entirely cut out in the can cut no in the, oh, in the theatrical, theatrical. Cut, yeah. well that's a mercy yeah but i none that were so pivotal that i didn't recognize them it's the same movie you could show it to somebody a couple two years apart and they would think it was the same thing yeah yeah it, this I is not know. like i can't speak to that without having seen the other one recently this is not like one of those director's cuts where you're like holy shit this is one of those ones where you're like okay you tried to do a little there i guess yeah yeah but i just i my my memory of the main movie is that it doesn't look as terrible as this does why don't we go through some notes okay people love notes want to do notes did you have any commentary on the music dan let me tell you something okay about that music okay it's your boy (laughs) who did the music moby yep so okay so i have a lot of notes that say a lot of things about the music mostly all of it is that is this person just a worse Moby <laughs> I, I mentioned it probably 15 times didn't know that Moby was the composer Yeah, I hate <laughs> hated now not, okay, not only is this score just gut wrenchingly too loud and terrible in the mix in this movie but it's not a score it's a bunch of it's songs bunch of Moby songs. that Moby wrote it's natural blues from Moby <laughs> in different it keys. is a bunch of songs that Moby wrote and none of them 
do anything other than bring down the vibe of the entire movie. Because, like, even when there is some comedic efforts happening, the background music is A, very loud, and B, just like, I wish I could do an imitation of it. Can you do like a, can you do like a boom, 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 for me? Boom, 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 like that is dude for the entire that's what made that's what really added to the sludge acts aspect oh yeah it's it's certain things are toxic certain things are sludge and the sludge for me was like the music just pulling me like into quicksand. The the other funny thing about the music is that and I every, like Moby. Uh, yeah, yeah. Every it's time, too much. Every time they licensed a song for the movie, they played the entire song. Oh, don't the, don't worry, that didn't go unnoticed for me. The, the Muse song. Dude. I was like, I swear to God, if Dan Andon tells me he likes the singer songwriter parts of this this movie, I'm gonna find. I just like that out. there's a whole scene to a great Muse song, but the rest of them are bad. I, I mean, mean, it's egregious uh, either way. There's oof. no point where a four minute song should happen in a movie that's insane, <laughs> <laughs> unless it's by Amy Mann. Um, yeah, dude, uh, the music, why did you, what did you think about the music? Um, I thought, I mean, sometimes it almost worked because like what they were trying to go for and why they probably picked Moby is because he's vegan and hates Republicans, but also because like Donnie Darko's music was perfect and scored in excellently and was a lot of that a lot of i don't know what the musical term is but like it's i don't know minor or a scale that is just constantly sad yeah that movie's in that scale this entire movie was but the thing is this movie is an hour and a half longer in a comedy right so like yeah what was going on there what i was gonna say is the music in a vacuum i think is solid and would be good over sure. a, over a movie of a, oh, dif- of a different tone. It's sounding right over this podcast episode. Let me tell you. Yeah, <laughs> but um, it's yeah, got, no, god awful it's for odd. a movie. Yeah, it's odd for this movie. It's in particular. For, I mean, it literally. I mean, realistically, what it is is just like listening to a Moby album. It sounds like Moby the whole time. Yeah, it sounds like Moby, but then the dialogue on top of it is like. To be honest, we're just looking out for the fingers. <laughs> I see. I thought for sure you'd be bought in at that moment. Wait, let's do it again and run the clip. Go. All right, let's try it again. Three, two, one. And that's Southland Tales, baby. <laughs> You're welcome. Now you don't have to watch it. I think uh, that was dope. Everyone who loves Donnie Darko so much should watch this movie to see what your god became. I mean, that's the saddest part of it. 
that I can't defend Donnie Darko because this guy just stopped making movies. I would say the saddest part about it is that <laughs> in all this time since then, all he's done is quintuple down. And it, every time they're like, you don't ever do anything again. He's like, yeah, I'm going to make three more renditions of Southland Tales. It's all it's this is the story he needs to tell, Dan. Why? <laughs> this is like his Star Wars. And he's it's so bad. That's what he's trying to do right now is make an entire prequel to Southland Tales. Don't. Then with like a Netflix tie in. Let me tell you something about Southland Tales. Okay? A prequel? What are they going to de-age Justin Timberlake by fucking twenty years? Southland Tales goes like as far as it possibly can to create a world, a sci-fi world. And like recently in the podcast, we watched the movie Crimes of the Future, which kept popping into my mind while I was watching this movie because. Both this movie and that movie attempted what to is, do... What is Crimes of the... David Cronenberg. You already, oh. you already forgot we watched it. The, um, no, the new... The, yeah. yeah, the Cronenberg. Yeah, the, um, where he's crouching the whole time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> where he's like, where's the trigger? Where he's like, I'll look into it. Um, <laughs> where Kristen Stewart's like, can, can, can I suck a dick? <sighs> it's art. See, it's the same as this movie. It's the same as this movie in that it, it attempts to do like a lot of off-screen world building to make its semi-satirical sci-fi points, and there's a lot in both movies. Um, but the problem with Southland Tales' version of it is like, you're shown a lot. You're shown, in the first shot of the movie, a nuclear explosion. Um, in a normal movie for adults, that would be the inciting incident to the film, especially if it's going to be three hours long. The lore behind what has happened to the Southland in yeah. America in general is so unclear in this movie. And it is because for whatever reason, Richard Kelly retracted a lot of that information for comic books and background noise and thinking that in this insane fuck fest of a movie, where you're getting hard ends in every single SNL and every Mad TV character launched at you in the same time, like ballistic missiles, and <laughs> and by Ling on Molly and Kevin Smith in old man makeup, smoking a bong with a mask on his face. That was so wild. In, within that movie, there's this background of all this shit that happened, that a nuclear bomb was dropped in Texas, and that um, a lot of shit kicked off. It's kind of like Tenet? Where there's like a lot of shit is apparently happened in this world that we don't know about. And the director's not willing to tell us other than if you are such a dork that you need to do like extra homework on this terrible movie. I did. And for those reasons. <laughs> I can explain this movie as from a, front to back, which is insane. As a, no, that's pathetic. <laughs> I don't want to say pathetic, but it makes me sick. No, after um, I watched it, I needed to read. I, need I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't, I couldn't listen to another second of it. <laughs> so, like, this movie does a lot of exposition dumping about what's happening now. Yeah. Also, but in but a that's world not, that's not in the theatrical cut, though. All of that's only in this cut. What is, the energy machine is? The, no, the whole intro exposition sequence where they're just explaining and explaining, and explaining shit. None of that exists in the theatrical cut. Okay, but like that's that's worse because like it, this movie needed as much as much exposition as it possibly could take because it's a movie that is obsessed with a situation happening in the now while presenting a world rife with changes that are not explained or are off screen or are unclear. Um, I, 
I watched this movie pretty carefully from like a point of view of like, shh, let, let me see if the take I can have from this movie is that Richard Kelly created a really cool world. Maybe this wasn't the best way to tell the story, but I really like the world. Because that's kind of one of the things I said about Crimes of the Future. And that was also a fail for me because it felt like he never explained anything that I wanted him to explain and spent the whole movie coming up with new ideas that hadn't happened in this universe yet. Like the whole thing with the energy machine and Sean William Scott being a clone of of himself and all of that plot line is like new developments to this universe. And I was like, I don't know where we are at all ever in this movie. And this is a movie that has like 50 different title cards for where you are. But at no point was I like, the only scenes that connected with me were like, Oh, they're on the beaches in Cali. They're in like the, the, that whole district and that whole area is like a big character in the movie. And I appreciated that, but I never was clear on like, what's up. And I'm not saying like, you shouldn't explain it to me because I would like to kind of know, but I'm saying that it wasn't clear and that was a detriment to the film. Yeah, no, agreed. It was super muddled. It's, it's, yeah, it's unclear. It's not a world that I need any more tales from. (laughs) Because there's no interesting parts of it. It just didn't. So that's that's what I'm saying. Is so all right. So after I watched this, I found an article called "What Is Happening in Southland Tales," <laughs> and this this website. All right. What they did was they went methodically through the movie and methodically through every graphic novel, as well as the tie-ins to Donnie Darko, and laid out front to back the plot of this movie. And I read it. And I was like, oh, this is a really good story made by a bad filmmaker. Well, yeah. I love the idea that uh, this rift opened up, that when you go through it, there's your past self is still alive and that your future self like gets sent. And then one of them, if they connect with each other, is going to yeah. rip open the fourth but, dimension. But, like, and- but like, even going back a little bit, like here's a solid sci-fi premise. Like the world is short on resources. Yeah, please give me... What what you would get in the first eleven seconds of any video game, which is like the world yeah. is. Please just give me that. So uh, I don't know what I saw here. All right, walk me through it. All right, nuclear attacks happen on Texas in in approximately what year? Because this it's an alternate history, right? Yes. Okay. Um, All right. So who shot the nukes? Um, I want to say Germany. Germany. Yeah. Okay. I don't know that it is actually said. I think that's what I'm talking about, though. It's (laughs) it's irrelevant. Okay, it's not, though. Right. Because so much of this movie could have at least been interesting if I knew what the fuck was going on. So just bear with me. I couldn't even make it through the first (laughs) sentence. I'm sorry. I bet the answer is there. I just don't remember. Okay, tell me as much as you know. Okay, so nuclear attacks happen in two different sites simultaneously in Texas, one of which is Abilene. Why Texas? Um, Because at the time, that was become it's becoming... Oh, like um, a, like a, a political hub. Okay. For, right. Makes sense. Yeah. So um, as a result, there's um, a lot of uh, dissension into chaos throughout um, the quote unquote Southlands, which is basically if you the entire. This brings us to our <clears throat> next question, though, which is so embarrassing that this movie doesn't leave the viewer with. What even is the Southlands? So the Southlands is um, basically from California through Texas up in that square. Okay, I figured it was like a stretch of the United States. Yeah. The bottom half is what I assumed. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so what makes the Southland different from the rest of the country? Um, so, as a result of um, all this chaos and the World War III that breaks out, um, Russia and Germany in conjunction cut off all of the U.S.'s resources um, such that their military becomes crippled due to a lack of gas. The U.S. is just out of fuel, so it kind of descends. What about Mexico? Mexico is not mentioned in the in the situation. I mean, they were poor already, so I, they're probably all dead. Got it. Um, or, like, you know, doing blow. I don't know. Sick. So, um, as a result of this, um, the two parties kind of descend into radical extremism. Um, the American government is toppled th- in the riots, and what we're left through is the remnants of two parties. Um, the Democratic Party is totally dissolved, and the last remnants of it are like neo-Marxist radical feminist psychos. Um, the Republican Party dissolves into this like hybrid political party conglomerate situation that they are called I- Ident. I- U.S. Ident. U.S. Ident. So that's the new uh, is- uniparty of the U.S. government. Right. Um, the way they sell the public that the way to prevent terrorism is a mass surveillance state. So we're presented with a dystopian mass surveillance state. That's the basic place we're starting with. As a result, God, I wish. Why wasn't that just fucking uh, three sentences over black? Because you. Why? Because it gets explained throughout the movie. It hardly. Okay. All right. So hold on. So You've he, read the novel. But here's the, here's here's. Oh, so unclear about all of that information. All right. So then, in order to work on the fuel situation, um, what's his face? Wallace, uh, from Princess Bride. You know. God, I wish I knew his name too. And I was Wallace watching something. He talks like this. Yeah, inconceivable. Yeah, <laughs> that guy. Inconceivable. Um, yeah. So he runs this. Uh, he is a goddamn treasure, and I think he's still alive. He is. That well, man Wallace pro- Shaw. Protect that man Wallace at all Shaw. costs. So he's the head of this. Uh, this like tech bro, uh, futuristic company. That what they develop. Right. Is this massive machine? I get anything that, that happened. In present time. That uses the the waves of the ocean right. to generate a new type of fuel. Yeah, which is like kind of like Wi-Fi yeah. fuel. What you find out over, throughout the course of the movie is that the result of this this machine, it's the paddles it's using are so powerful that it's impacting the ocean's tides such that the that the earth is slowing down to like a millifraction mile per hour it's 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 rotations are slowing down and that is opening up a rift in the space-time continuum and that is the that is the premise and that is a good movie yes that is not this movie yes i mean arguably the end of what you said there is the trappings of what ultimately happens in this movie but it again it feels like it started as one kind of sandwich and was molested into another yes the plot that is the center of this movie with Boxer Santeros and Krista now and his Killer wife name for the rock is absolutely the worst part. Kristen Bell's not his wife. Who? No, no. I said and his wife, oh, who is played by Mandy Moore, of course. Yeah. Sarah Michelle Gellar. Is because the, in a movie where the rock is wearing hip hugger jeans, has hair and Oakley's got to have Mandy Moore. Oh, yeah. That's a match made in That's Mandy Moore of uh, This Is Us fame. Of candy fame. 
I'm missing Baby, you Baby, come like to me. Yeah. I saw that music video and was like, oh, fuck yeah. my life. I'm straight. <laughs> I am as straight as an arrow. Sugar to my heart, oh baby. She's so glossy in that video. Like her lips are so <laughs> glossy. <laughs> they look so shiny. I'm missing you like candy. I'm going to make a movie for Mandy Moore. I have become <laughs> the guy uh, who wants to fuck me. So yeah, the th- the yeah. Th- that's <clears throat> what the thing about this movie is that if I were. Like, if one were to explain the entire plot of this movie, it could have been a good movie. Could have. It really could have. If if Richard Kelly had started with those ideas instead of starting with the central conceit right. of the movie, God knows it could have been uh, his magnum opus. I mean, we talk about filmmakers sometimes, who, or, like, TV show people in particular, who, like, were like, are they aliens? Like, have they never seen humans act like humans? And Richard Kelly seems like he does not know how humans are. And to make that experience worse, you have Moby's music over top of yeah, it, right. which makes it really feel like it's made by an alien. I think The Rock's performance is absolutely hilarious. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't even entertain that. He's so bad in this movie. And they ask him to do things that you can see why he has a clause in his contract now where he's like, anything I did in Southland tells, you cannot make me do again. Yeah. You cannot make me look like I have anxiety. He has a hard R clause now. Dropped like hard R's and N's in this one. Dude. Or is that the same thing to you? That's the same thing to me. I knew you were going to. I knew that's where you Yeah. You know, I've had to move the goalposts on that one yeah, a little retarded bit. retarded is just a word. We can say that because we have mental health. <laughs> um... Should we do notes? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Yours are going to be like... Do you feel sufficiently Dan Enden first? Oh, yeah. You're going to get a lot of Dan Enden first notes in here. You ready, bud? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, uh, I started kind of reaching out, trying to connect to things in my own current life. So I said originally that this felt like if Cyberpunk 2077 was written while huffing ethanol. <laughs> um... Rock has a Star of David tattoo on his stomach, question mark? Um, so the Rock has a tattoo representing a symbol of every major religion. And in real life? No, it, his character. Just his movie. character. Because um, his real life tattoos are also in the movie. Yes. His, yeah. his shoulder cap and whole arm is what I thought were his real tattoos, and then they added a few onto him. So, yeah? So as a result, yes, a lot. As a result of um, oh, the, this, the space, this movie is also a Bible parable. Yeah, so <laughs> so there's there's a drug featured in this movie. Yeah, in the, the plotline sixty yeah Z that um, that turns uh, Sarah Michelle Geller into a psychic, and when she <laughs> Dan <laughs> didn't even just, know that happened. Just, just wait for it. Wait, she turned into a psychic. Oh yeah, yeah. So all right, listen. So, so she, that's how she and the Rock end up together. The script that he's trying oh, to pitch right. to people is Sarah. I feel like Mich- they didn't talk about that a lot. Sarah though. Michelle Gellar's character narrated the script to her upon a vision she had about what the end of the world is going to be. Sure. Um, okay. And in that script, the main character, um, what's his fucking name in it? That uh, who? Uh, the Rock's like movie character that everyone starts calling him. Not Boxer Santeros? No, the other one. There's another alias he goes by? Are you kidding me? Alright. Wait. Dude, like what? It happens what constantly. It? Were they calling him by another name? 
Yeah, his movie character. I, I don't remember. Uh, Bro- it's like it's Brock like, Samson. Dude, it's like a classic fucking like action movie name. Uh, Truck loader. <laughs> forklift certified. That's me. I'm forklift certified. Anybody out there thinks this is some kind of beta podcast? Made for little soy boys? I'm forklift certified. Jericho Have Kane. The, oh, Jericho Kane. You're right. Yeah. Right. They say that a thousand times. Yeah, yeah. A thousand times. And yet, neither of us remembered it. So, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so. Jericho Kane, right. So, what she foresaw in her uh, vision. Yeah, yeah. I think I. I think honestly, the movie was such sludge that I, when I heard either name, thought it was just the rock. Yeah. Wait, wait till you hear this, dude. This fucking insane explanation that they snuck by you. So, uh, the main character, um, being the rock has a tattoo of every major religion um, because the uh, like the reckoning was being foretold and in the vision she was told that whichever religion wins out and ends up being the correct one uh, will cry blood from his ta- from the one who sacrifices himself uh, so that's why at the end his Jesus tattoo lights up and starts crying blood I didn't understand that at all and so the message of the movie is that Christianity is the correct religion <laughs> yeah, another thing that I need explained to me. What is the relation between the plot line? This is plot line 72A. Yeah, we've never done a movie with more plot lines. Not even close. What is the deal with the plot line that in the Rock's script, yeah. there's a thermonuclear baby fart if a baby was born, right, with nuclear powers... And it doesn't put, it doesn't fart for a week, and then it farted and it kicked off the apocalypse. That's in the script, right? Yep. In real life, The Rock, Boxer Santeros, aka Kane Demarco, was his <laughs> name. Jericho Kane. Jericho Kane hasn't shit in a week. No, no, no. And that was a plot line that they said out loud. No, Sean William Scott hasn't shit in a week. No, they said The Rock hasn't shit. No, no, no. Oh, Sean William Scott hasn't shit. Yeah. No. No, it's both of them because both of them are clones. Right, but Sean William Scott is the Messiah. I think at one point they said, though, that The Rock hadn't shit in a week. No, Sean William Scott hasn't shit in a week. And that's when The Rock realizes that Sean William Scott is the is the representative thermonuclear baby. Oh, got it. Okay, all right, all right. Sean William right. Scott oh, okay. is the messiah in this film. Uh, yeah, right. Right, right, right. How could I have forgotten that? That's, that makes total sense. <laughs> Dude, Justin Timberlake in this movie? <laughs> Do, doing drugs Te- and then a, I say a ter- musical number? Yeah, I mean... Te- Terrible does not cover, like, how I felt about it. And I'm going to say, um, I, I'm on record of having said this many times in my life, but if there's one song I hate the most in the whole world, it's that fucking killer song, the I Got Soul, but... Yeah, um, but you can't not uh, like it in that scene. You know? It's so good. No? No, oh, fuck that. Bro, here's the thing. You said that every single scene of this movie was necessary and would lead to something. Did I say that? What of how many musical numbers are in this fucking movie? <laughs> yeah. On top of everything I else I, I going know. on, Dan, 
the amount of musical numbers this in this movie. This is what I'm saying, that he wanted to, he saw Magnolia while, like, huffing paint cans and was like, I, oh, I can do that. This was just a fucking stinker. It's wild. All the background noise is interesting, yeah. but, like, the main plot is just a it's bananas. fucking mess on all levels. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's wild. Um, I was 40 minutes into the movie. And, and was writing in my notes and was like, I don't know what is going on. Like, what is being said or what is happening in this movie almost at all. Like, and it's not because it isn't fully obvious. It's because it's not fully clear. And as the movie goes on, it does tie up. Would you not argue that's the case with Donnie Darko, though, the first time you watch it? Do uh, Donnie Darko links into itself in a way that like the the best like time travel fuckery type movies do and I think it and I could be eating all my words here because it's been a while since I've rewatched it probably as long as Southland Tales but I was always of the opinion much to the last episode of the podcast that we had talked about where it was like somebody did a lot with not a lot of resources and this movie is Somebody did way too much with, with all of way the too much, and it's just pathetic. You it's, know what's crazy? It's a real crash and burn. This movie costs less to make than Jane's on Bob Strike Back. What was the ultimate budget of this movie? Like 15 20? million. Yeah, I mean, you can't make this movie with 15 million. Which, like, you got all those actors, they were all enthused. How? How did anyone read the script and be like, what? Because they were all like, I don't understand Donnie Darko either, but da Richard Kelly's going to be the next Wells. Donnie Darko makes sense, though. You just have to, like, be a nerd about it. This this you can't make heads or tails of. I mean, it makes sense. Had they let him make the movie that he wanted and fucking... I don't know, the dude. Gra the graphic novels More, were... You could throw $100 million at this script and it would still be fucking bad. I mean, this is There's a way to make it all make sense. I'm not saying that all of the plot threads are good. A this lot is like, of them are su superfluous. This is like if the View Askew universe was injected with like 13% yeah. Marvel DNA. This movie, this movie would be created out of it. Yeah. No. It's it's uh, excessive, to say the least. It's gluttonous. <laughs> like, can you... Th I can't think of an... Like, another director doing this. It's word soup. But, but like, it's an there's, entire there's, movie of There's also soup. the part of me that, like, I'm like, I miss the time where, like, a director could make a weird little movie, and then they give them a shot to make something this fucking crazy. And, like, directors... Happens in MCU all Directors the time, failing like this <laughs> makes it so that doesn't happen anymore. Yeah, this this movie was notorious for its um, crash and burn. Unfortunately, I mean, I wish that the, it was just a movie that I didn't like, that other people thought was really really good, that there were enough of them that it wasn't a problem. But yeah, I, I, there there has to be a at least a dozen executives that had to watch this movie right, right, right. and just be like, I'm going to lose every fucking dollar that I spent on this movie. Yeah. Bar oh, yeah. none. Yeah, yeah. I'm fucked. I'm ruined. It's wild. All right. You got more notes? I mean, do you feel like you sufficiently? Why do you want to wrap it up? Tied in the Are you wrapping it up? No. Oh, no. Um, 
<laughs> I wrote that The Rock has like Jim Carrey 23 autism. Where like he's like from the number twenty three. Yeah, where he's like counting and twiddling his fingers all scared all the time and talking to himself. Yeah. He's odd as fuck in this movie. When he's like point zero 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 zero. I'll give you a good example of like where this movie thinks that it's being smart and funny, but it doesn't work. Which is like there's a scene where a bunch of cops bust in on the neo Marxist lair, and one of the cops is a dwarf in like (laughs) in a SWAT team outfit. Like, and there's no dialogue with him. There's no jokes made about it. It's just like a bad move. It just like, it's just like Richard Kelly maybe had a reason for it. Maybe he's like, you know, recruitment's gotten so desperate at this point with, with the USI dent force that da, 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 da. Or maybe it was like, isn't it so like politically satire-ish to have like literally like clown performing like dwarfs in the police brigade. But either way, like everything in this movie, the setup is maybe comical, but nothing's done about it, Dude, and it I just mean, festers. That first scene during the exposition dump, where like they're showing the deal go down, and he's the dude's gonna get his finger chopped off, and she chops off his whole hand. Oh, you mean the one scene where it was still a movie? Yeah, and before I, it all went wrong. In that moment, I was like, "Holy shit, Southland Tales is about to be the best movie I ever saw." Same dog. And it was not. If if the movie had like the same vibe that that one scene had, yeah, that was a killer vibe. I was like, "We're going somewhere." Yeah. And you know what? Anytime, that was the, that you know what? That was the moment Cat was like, "I'm interested." Anytime Bai Ling and her crew were a part of it, including the dwarf from the uh, Poltergeist movies, yeah, the this house is clear lady, <laughs> she would show up and be like, "The Rock, you are traveling through time because <laughs> I read your script and you couldn't fart in your script." And then The Rock like stole the script out of her hands, yeah, and she started smacking him. I laughed at that. Yeah. There's there's some goofs and gags in there, but like it's not a movie that should have ever had any goofs and gags I know, I know. from its script and or, vibe or and, and score. Or ten times more. Or yeah, ten times more. Drop Moby, cut off an hour. Because like that dude, that scene with Amy Poehler and what's his face from That's The Wire, so, fucking yelling. It's just pure. It's so it's, it's, pure it's comedy. Pure lunacy. But. But and look it's at, like a sketch. It's hilarious. Yeah, but Why that's what happens this when movie? you put these people yeah, together. Right, right. It's a natural consequence of it. And the fact that he only caught Dan two scenes of it, basically, yeah. successfully so, working, so that's I'm like, a crime. I'm like, how did he have the instinct to cast these people and create these scenes and then not lean into it harder? He said in the making of, when I'm feeling insecure, I write comedy. Which I thought was a crazy statement. Yeah. And I was like, well, dude, you must have been having some real body dysmorphia while you were watching yeah. this movie. You know who does the same thing? Is Eliza Schlesinger. Fucking, and... fucking Eliza Schlesinger. God damn it. <laughs> she had me going for a little bit the other night, and then she was like, girls, let me hear ya. Uh, let me stand up, ladies. And then was like, here's what radical feminism is. And it was like, dude, relax. And she looked at the audience and she was like, I have to do this because I have a microphone. And all the yeah. women were like, Woo! And she was like, guys aren't going to like this next part. And yeah. I was like, I can't do Did this Did you anymore. watch the new Whitney Cummings special? Not yet. I'm sure it's much better than I, uh, Eliza Schlesinger. I won tickets to see her go record that special and I didn't go. Is it bad? Dude, it is brutal. Like in a good way? Or? No, no. And there's like, there's tons of that. Good, but another then, like, special I don't have to watch. And she's like, 
going on about Didn't how- Didn't you just say to me the other day when I was once again bashing all female comedians to you, you were like, Winnie Collins is stand-up, so she sucks now or what? What's her vibe now? Yeah, so cancel we ha- culture or feminism, oh, one or the bo- other, uh, both. Both, but like great, it, but like hardcore on the cancel culture and like going on about how um, Me Too has ruined like her desire to get like like rape fantasied by guys, and she's like, I just want to be in a room. She like literally gets on her hands oh and knees and God. puts, dude, she gets on her hands <laughs> and knees and puts her ass in the air, and she's like, I want to get Me Tooed. On purpose, dude. Silence. She literally says, "She's like, you can't cancel me. Try to cancel me." I'm like, "Shut up, shut up." I can't do it anymore, Dan. Yeah, I, can't I can't take it. Comedy was bad enough to begin with. Now it's got this. I am excited to check out the new series of these. Is, this is the most toxic sentence that I'll say on this whole podcast. Okay. On Paramount Plus, yeah. the new Inside Amy season, I will be watching because I used to love that show. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, Joan. Um. The um, have you watched uh, Gillian Keeves? No, it's a sketch comedy series on YouTube. It is tops of the tops. It's oh, that send dude, me that. It's that dude Shane Gillis. That I'm always sending for. Send me the clips. Um, it's all filmed in PA, dude. It is sick. So funny, and they just dropped a special. They recorded like a two hour special, and it is so fucking funny, dude. You'd love it. The Rock's hairline in this movie. Yeah, breathtaking. It looks like from above, like the Batman logo. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dude, they made The Rock say the Edward this movie. I know. They made, it, they made Sean they William made Scott look The Rock in the eyes and say the N-word to him. This movie is like if Cecil B. Demented met Jupiter Ascending. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that was one of my There's takes. There's big Jupiter Ascending vibes in this movie. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Massive. Um, horniness is not a crime. It's a straight bop, and that's for sure. Facts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bet. Trust, as the kids say. The audio mix in this movie, problematic. (laughs) This movie is like if Dogma saved and Rollerball created a super AIDS baby. (laughs) I love saved. I do too. I haven't seen it in a long time, though. Um, Unzips list. Unfunny. Macaulay Culkin's in a wheelchair in that movie. Wrongheaded, dated, misguided, pretentious, crude, immature, and then in paren. Cock chuggers too, <laughs> cock chugging, <laughs> wasteful, ugly, full of terrible music, bad and dated stand-up comedians. Kevin Smith, obsessed with Marxism, damning of the police, overblown, borderline unwatchable without nostalgic connection. This is the Lawrence of Arabia, the fucking Ten Commandments of the Dan Anden verse. <laughs> <laughs> That's a hard paragraph to argue with, but... Dude, Kevin Smith in this movie. Um, I turned to Kevin. I'm so sad that this didn't happen, but in my notes I have. Of course you said you're having a watch party with friends of yours with this movie. You love torturing others. (laughs) Dude, when Kevin Smith was on screen, I turned to Kat. I was like, who is that? And I was just watching her wheels turn, trying to figure it out. And she's just like... I. I don't know. The voice is so it's familiar. It's your god. <laughs> I was like, it's Kevin Smith. And she was like, oh, yeah, he's. it's just Kevin Smith being Kevin Smith with makeup. Been trying. Dude, the balls to, to make a movie, a major motion picture that your fucking career hinges on and cast Kevin Smith as a disabled veteran. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, I read a quote when I googled this movie. One of the first things came up was a quote from Kevin Smith about this movie. Yeah, 
and I wanted to like, it was the second I finished this movie, looked up Kevin Smith's take on this movie and yeah. Richard Kelly as a filmmaker. One of the most toxic paragraphs I've ever read. <laughs> Had, did you see that direct quote? Or I'm sure you've heard I, him I'm talk sure I about have, it. But, so Kevin Smith. It the, was, well, dude. Kevin it was Smith like. He got was, the, the produced the graphic novels because no, no studios would fund it. So <sighs> he fucking got all the graphic novels made. That's how he got in the movie. Yeah. Been trying to figure out what movie this movie reminds me of in its complete and utter ugly audacity. And that movie is Sucker Punch. Wow. That's like the level to which the excess was felt on, on my Wait, end. what was Kevin Smith's quote? Oh, I would never copy that into my notes. Okay. It's, that was the most cursed content I've ever read. It was, <laughs> it was literally like, Quentin Tarantino, Martin Scorsese, Richard Kelly. It was like... <laughs> yeah, and, that, and that's, that's your God who praises all your Marvel movies. They make him cry. Yeah, the sword always go, goes both ways, but... No one likes this movie, and plenty. Oh of no, lots of people like this movie now. It's gotten a but fucking. But when I say no one, I mean next to no one. Dude, the Reddit community for this movie has gotten wild. Well, the Reddit community for the Marvel Cinematic Universe is slightly larger. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what do you give this movie? How many golden thermonuclear babies do you give this movie? This movie hinges upon emotionally. And lays its entire behemoth three-hour runtime onto one concept that it leaves you with, ultimately. And that concept is, I am a pimp, and pimps don't commit suicide. And I want to bring up the last plotline of this movie. <laughs> the through line of, and this is classic Dan Andrews. <laughs> this is like this is like the fucking cherry on top. The through line of unnecessary suicide talk in this movie is fucking incredible. Like every character holds a gun to their own head at one point or another in this movie. Every character. Like suicide is used as a moving plot point like 14 separate times in this movie. It is obsessed with depressive suicidal thoughts. It's <laughs> so weird. <sighs> like the oh my god, the, the music playing with the Moby music and then <laughs> people holding guns to their head for three hours. Dude, the I'm gonna kill myself. If you want me to suck your dick? It's so crazy. like. <laughs> Imagine being on on set for that. How did it, anybody like agree to make I, sense? I can't of this? believe Sarah Michelle Gellar was like, yeah, yeah, totally. Sarah Michelle Gellar, like, in the interview that I watched with her, she was, like, very pro this movie in the sense that she thought that her character being a pro-sex, like, publicity outward-facing porn star was a huge step in the portrayal of women in film. Amazing. Um, so OnlyFans has Sarah Michelle Gellar to thank yeah. for its spawning genesis. Kat made a comment uh, that was, like, just like Justin Timberlake. Uh, went to his record label and was like, all right, I'm trying to, like, you know, adjust my image towards being an adult. We got to, like, rebuild JT. And <laughs> she was like, she was like, Justin Timberlake's manager was like, all right, we're going to put him in military garb, fucking shooting missiles as a war hero, reciting Bible verses. They were like, fucking book it. <laughs> Look that shit right now. One of my notes was, I'm not even looking at it, but I just remember having typed it very early on, is this is like if The Matrix was written by a straight white idiot. 
Um, so, like, seven, eight out of ten. Let me write this on the board. What are you going to give this movie? Can we start with that, please? I'm, uh, I'm going to give this movie a 6.6 out of ten. Alright. 6.6. Plus zero. (laughs) I gotta look at, I gotta look at. I'm gonna look at the score sheet. We haven't brought it up in the past two episodes, but like, I want to be kind of decisive here. 6.6 is what Dan, let's let's run Dan through it first. So Dan thinks that Southland Tales is of course better than Midsommar. We've all determined that at this point. And is Mm. 0.1 better than Godzilla King of the Monsters. Yeah. I think this movie's a lot better than Godzilla King of the Monsters, honestly. You think you like reboot more than this? Hmm. I think they're about, about the, same. the same. What did I give reboot? I'd say about the same. 6.7. <laughs> yeah, I probably want to walk that back. I think Dan is probably a more consistent reviewer than I am, which in the world of actual film critique, consistency is more important than rash opinions, so I'm starting to see I'm worse at this than you. Right. By reading all these. He's so effortless. This just does it without thinking, you know? I have a, a man has a code. <laughs> Thankfully, you liked um, the faculty. Movies. That's good. The faculty. What are you oh, well, 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 well. The faculty are like a million times better than this. Hold on. I think I read some of these wrong. Reboot, you gave a 7.1. Mm, don't agree with that. That's a little too high. Yeah, that's way too you high. You have to walk that back. Yeah, the faculty, I gave an 8. Faculty, I give an eight. You like this slightly more than Haunting of Bly Manor, which is appropriate. <laughs> yeah, I'll watch this again before I watch Bly Manor again. So Jupiter Ascending, I gave a one. Yeah. What did I give Speed Racer? A point two. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> this. Oh yeah, you mentioned that in the beginning. <laughs> My feelings on this have nothing to do with Speed Racer. Speed Racer is a great movie. This is not a great movie. Okay, that's fair. I just had there's part of the opening fun, you know. Yeah, I, I, said I, genu- a lot of I genuinely do love Speed Racer. Um, I mean, some evidence here makes me think about how I'm going to do this. I mean, I did like this more than Cuties. <laughs> I did like this more than The Fat Man with Mel Gibson. Oh, I forgot we even that movie was a piece of shit. I of course like this more than Jupiter Ascending, but I will say that the comparisons were felt. Yeah, yeah. In that I was watching one of the biggest turds. <laughs> not like stinkiest turd, not stinkiest, but one of the biggest turds ever yeah, laid yeah. onto the cinema. Um This is this is tough. I mean, I like Donnie Darko quite a bit. <laughs> All right. I, okay. This is always the one that comes back to haunt me. And you. Okay. Space Jam 2. Oh, my God. You felt was considerably better than Southland Tales at a 7.1. Granted, it's a kid's movie. Yeah. will be your first response. Yeah. I gave Space Jam 2 a 4.9. Okay. And I feel as if this movie deserves more than Space Jam. Therefore, I will be giving it a 5 out of 10. Okay, so you like this movie more than Spanking the Monkey? Yes. All right. 
Clearly, yeah. Great. I hated that. That was terrible. <laughs> that was so bad. Was that supposed to like be what? Give me, give me some more. It's a five. All right. So uh, that means you like this movie more than Fast and the Furious Four. I like this movie more than any Fast and Furious movie I've ever seen. <laughs> okay. Well, then you need to start raising some scores, bud, because you gave Fast Five a five point six. <sighs> that was the good one. You gave Fast Six a five point five. <laughs> That's about equal. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Um, Big turds. All right. The fuck. Fast franchise kind of throws things off. <laughs> you like this movie more than Gigli? Yes, I did. You like this movie the exact same amount as Goodwill Hunting? <laughs> <laughs> Both misguided disasters. <laughs> okay. That's a weird one. Dan, that one's Dan, always going to get me. On record. That's that one's always going to get me. <laughs> Southland Tales, Goodwill Hunting. Same quality. What I'm gonna, what I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna post Southland Tales reviews as good as Goodwill Hunting. <laughs> <laughs> Dan Lyons. Um, can can you remind me to put that in? <laughs> yeah. In the episode description. Um, you like it more than Hancock. Oh, um, yeah. oh my God! I and, and Scream Five. Oh my God! Yes, I did. Okay. So that's very consistent. All right, good. Great. Like, as much as I said very nasty things about this movie, it deserves it. And you know it <laughs> yeah, does. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's not a victimless no, movie. This movie's toxic as fuck. <laughs> this is, talk about an artifact from a uh, culture that we do not live in anymore. <laughs> like, if this movie was made today, it would be, like, on the same streaming service as the Biden movie. Yeah, or, or um, Don't Look Up. Yeah, this, oh my god. Um, this movie's better than Don't Look Up. Is this movie better than Don't Look Up? You love Don't Look Up. You give that shit like a seven point. Yeah, but there's there's a cultural artifact element to this movie that is very potent. Yeah, oh yeah. But I I don't know if I, I assure you I went into this wanting it would be within my nature. I thought you were gonna go seven on this one. I wanted minimum. to come out of here being like Southland Tales is a ten out of ten. Like that was my goal here. Yeah. And there were moments in the movie where I was like, it can do that if it commits to this turn. And then it did not. Never. It did not commit to much. No. Well. A bloated mess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, never really seen a mess quite so messy. And the the problem is, like, I've seen other messes, right? Like, auteur messes. Yeah. In terms of, like, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. To some extent, Midsommar. To some extent, um, a lot of Paul Thomas Anderson's movies, both old and new, including Hard Eight, which I think is a mess. How do you feel about this versus The Master? <laughs> <laughs> These are both, like, toxic. This is a movie, like, yeah, like The Last Jedi, where it's, like, it, it's po it's pretty poisonous. I'm not going to lie. I don't wish that anyone watched this movie. <laughs> Would you recommend other people? Well... I mean, I'm always. I'd say yeah. How many times on this podcast have I recommended people watch something for the cultural artifact of it all? Like, this is everyone not, who loves Donnie Darko should know that this, this is the is worst what parts of that culture, though. Like, there are movies and that the came climax out. of this movie is like a direct like hearkening to the entire plot thread of Donnie Darko, which is absurd. Yeah, what? <laughs> that's another. Yeah, that's another thing that really did not sit with me well. Is how how much I remembered there being quite a lot of direct lifts, but 
the whole movie hinges on fucking Sean William Scott and his fucking time travel twin coming into contact with each other, each other and it breaking apart the fucking threads of the universe. That's like the entire thing of fucking Danny Darko. Let's see what other movies came out the same year as Southland Tales that are somewhat similar. Silent Hill. That That is a giant piece of shit. Yeah, that movie's terrible. This was a bad year, man. Tooth Fairy, She's the Man, which I have on the podcast list for like five years I now. Know. Um, Apocalypto, Fire, Loki Fire. Mm. I actually really like that movie. It's super gory, mm. even though, you know, he hates Jews, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but who doesn't these days, you know? Poseidon, not a movie I ever saw. Nope. Skipped over that one. Rough year at the, <laughs> what was this? Oh, six. Uh, Hills Have Eyes and Children of Men. Mm. This came out the same year as Children of Men, I'd say is the best comparison. Yeah. If you want a good social, political, satire, um, dark, like futuristic tale from 2006. Yeah. Go with this and not Children of Men. I mean, go with Children <laughs> of Men. <laughs> Little Children, also a great movie. With Kate Winslet. Yeah. Uh, Fire. That, that's the one where, where she fucks he Night fucking Owl. stabs himself in the dick. She the... fucks that actor that you hate. Yeah, Patrick. Patrick Wilson. Yeah, and fucking uh, Jackie fucking What's-His-Face is a pedophile and everyone's mean to him. Jackie he... What's-His-Face is a pedophile. And he cuts Correct. his dick off at the end. <laughs> 2006 had Butterfly that, Effect wait, 2. That's a movie where fucking Patrick Wilson's like smelling panties yes. in the internet. <laughs> yeah, he's like ordering them on the internet yeah. and he's beating off wearing one over his head. Yeah. In yeah, one scene. Yeah, yeah. In like the first that's a scene. Great, that's a great movie. I, that, was, I got, that was one of the first movies I ever got on Netflix through the mail. So are we announcing new movies? Are so we? That's what you said you wanted to do. Do you have yours? Yeah, yeah. I told you I knew what it was. You told me, you told me, be prepared to I'll say be... it at the end of the... No way, I said be prepared? You said be prepared for at the end of the episode oh. to reveal our next thing. All right, okay, well, you go first, I guess. Join us next week <laughs> while we watch the whole nine yards. This is good. <laughs> this is good content. Wait, are you being serious? Is that what we're doing? Yeah. Oh, okay, cool, 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 cool. That's... Matthew Perry's autobiography just came out. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's gonna make sense. Yeah, Bruce Next. Willis just died. <laughs> no, I've been looking forward to this one. Did Bruce Willis die? No, he has aphasia. Okay, he isn't dead yet. Not yet. But... Okay, so let's get a jump on it. I mean, a movie just came out, if you want to get a jump on it, starring Bruce Willis and John Travolta. And Yeah, no, no. Yeah, exactly. Hard <laughs> we're we're going to watch Hold Nine Yards. Hard no, hard no. As people were trying to act like fucking Matthew Perry is some sort of scum for fucking... God, when did everyone when did everyone start thinking like acting like Keanu Reeves is a real actor? <laughs> People in the rental zone were all up in arms to fucking Matthew Perry. That's out of context. Notably just... more hilarious actor than Keanu Reeves. Funnier, yes, but also have you seen him do a British accent in Dracula? No. But I've seen him. Never seen Brom Stoker's Dracula. I just said oh. Stroker. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I have seen Brom Stoker's oh, okay. Dracula. You've seen the Strokers? Dracula. <laughs> Strokes Drac is what we called it in film school. Matthew Perry is a treasure. Fools Rush In? Come on. I'm going to have to watch that someday. Come, come on. <laughs> it's going to be called The Whole 9-11 Yards, though, because I already have a whole gag, this whole yeah. thing that I wrote about 9-11 and Matthew Perry. It's I'm hilarious. making it clear, though. Yeah. The We have to next season watch Whole 10 Yards. Okay. Or, or yeah, sure. All okay. right. Okay, because that feels like a double episode dip. Now you're dipping into the next season with a choice. I'm just saying, <laughs> the only reason I want to do whole nine yards is so right. that we can watch the whole ten yards. Whole ten yards is like terrible. MBPCU fucking I know. gold mine. I gotta get there. It's kind of like, you know what we'll do as a payment for that? 
will be we'll finally do uh Lawnmower Man 2. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, I have I have a serious movie and I have a silly movie. Okay. And so you went with whole 9 yards. So that's silly. So maybe I should do serious. Should do whatever you want, man. Should I just I just silly? put you through a three and a half hour fucking schlock fest. <laughs> um What are your feelings on parlaying into another movie starring The Rock? <laughs> God. That is not Fast and Furious. Um I have no I mean, I fucking hate The Rock as an actor. Same. I What's happening in my head is I'm just running through a Rolodex of rock movies that I know exist, <laughs> and I'm just like, none of these seem like a good time. But, all right, let me ask you a question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is this motivated by something that you have seen or something that you think will be hilarious? Something that I I have seen and I find hilarious. Okay, how do, I feel fine about it. But I, we're doing silly. Maybe we should do one serious and one silly. I, I don't care. All right, we'll do one serious, and that is going to be Darren Aronofsky's film, The Fountain. Oh, awesome. So <laughs> the next two episodes will be <laughs> the whole nine yards and the fountain, which like truly you couldn't find two movies with less in common. So it should be pretty interesting. Dude, I've been wanting to watch the fountain for so long. I want you to want to watch it. I do want to watch it. It's fucking cat watched it without me. So she never wants to watch it with me, it's but it's fucking... going to take up the TV forever. So we watch movies together. And... I, I don't think it's particularly long and I would suggest you watch it with your significant other. This is a, First time on the Movie Blues Rental Zone and podcast recommendation to watch a movie with your significant yeah, other yeah. and have it be The Fountain. She loves that movie. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that's a little less exciting, but we'll pretend like she's never seen it for the purpose of the, of the podcast. Okay, great. Dan Enden, anything else you want to say on this double-sized, triple-sized episode of the Movie Blues podcast? Could have had a lot more plot threads <laughs> and would still have fewer than Southland Tales. I would like to see the baby.